So continuing this patient work of practice, bringing our uh, energy here into the room, uh, bringing our attentiveness here into the body with the breath, beginning again, starting again, gentleness, assistance, patience. This morning, I'd like to reflect on uh, continuing on from some of the themes that Kirisara introduced last night and the working, continuing to work with this whole area of samadhi, gathering, gatheredness, gathering our energies, working with, uh, skillfully working with uh, disturbing thinking patterns, difficult thinking patterns. Um, that become obsessive, overwhelming, and distracting. So within the template of this balance of the samatha meditation, if you remember we translated that as calming, gathering, focusing, training of attention, and vipassana, the contemplative, reflective, in, inquiry, insight meditation. They, they work, working, continuing to work with those in tandem, work with those in balance. As we gather, as we focus, then um, the reality of what we're with becomes highlighted. We can contemplate the reality of our experience, reflect on that, this inquiry. How is it? What's actually happening? What's our relationship to what's happening? And the hindrances and so on teaching that the, the Buddha gave, which is very helpful in terms of working with uh, thinking that's uh, uh, distracting or unwholesome or obsessive, uh, tra- you know, working as a training. Uh, this teaching he called the Vitaka Santana Sutta. It's a, it's a, it's a development of the, one of the skills that we've been using, the skill of Vitaka, if you remember, that was the first of the first of the five jhana factors, the capacity to bring attention here, directing, using a thought to direct attention. This, this, this skill is called vitaka, being able to direct attention. And for this purpose of meditation, we've been directing attention uh, to body, to breath, so this, this is a skill. And then in this Vitaka Santana Sutta, the Buddha develops that theme into five further aspects or ways and trainings that can help us um, manage, um, work skillfully with, overcome distracting, obsessive thinking patterns. So this, the, the, the first step of that we've already been doing, which is to explore what he calls taking, taking the attention from unwholesome or repetitive thinking pattern to the wholesome. So this, is a, this can be a refined skill, a skill within uh, the refinement of the meditation, say we're taking um, the attention from the tendency to dwell uh, in our thinking patterns to the breath, to body sensation, to something very immediate that we can feel. So 
this skill of taking, taking attention. But we can also say in our daily life, when we find ourselves really caught up with negative thinking, um, worry, fear, doubt, obsession, um, ag- aggression, aversion, uh, it just keeps sort of um, you know, circling us around and around and around. Uh, to we can actually take our thinking, it was still thinking, but to, to explore uh, um, contemplating that which is wholesome, that which, which is actually going well, which is actually that which is more conducive, that, you know, that which can bring up a sense of maybe appreciation or gratitude or well-being, rather than thinking about all the things that are wrong, with ourselves or someone else, can we consider something that's right, <laughs> that's actually working? Well, at least I'm breathing. <laughs> at least I'm a- I was able to get up this morning. It was difficult, but I managed it. <laughs> Rather than, you know, you, you, you lazy slug you, you couldn't even get up, you know. Well, at least I'm here now. You know, so it's, it's training. It's, it's a bit like if you just leave the thinking pattern to its own its own way. It's a bit like the law of gravity. It would just sink, you know, and go into the patterns of worry, self-denigration, despair. You know, it just there's a way. It just we just get pulled into these whirlpools. So taking attention to something wholesome as a skill, and it's not just a meditative skill, say, in terms of cultivating samadhi or gatheredness. It's also a life skill. You know, when we go, you know, kitty. Sarah's mother um, was, a, was, was extremely, had a very extremely positive take on life. And he was telling me the story once when he was a student at Oxford and his room was, he had, you know, in England, there's not as much space as there is here in the States. I get sort of quite dizzy here in America, it's so big, <laughs> everything's so big. <laughs> I'm used to these, well, I grew up these tiny little spaces. Um, and when as a student in Oxford, he had this tiny little room which was, you know, very cluttered. And, and when his father walked in, who tends to see things in the more the problematic side of life, you know, he just, oh, you know, what a, what a clutter, what a tiny, tiny room, and how can you manage? And then when his mother walked in, who tended to see the positive side of life, she said, well, you know, there, there is, there is, there's breathing space, you know, there is some <laughs> space here, it's, you know, it's okay, it's, it's going to work, you know. <laughs> So it's like, how do we frame it? You know, how do we frame ourselves? You know, I'm a, I'm a hopeless case that drags myself. Or can we frame ourselves with, you know, by, well, I have, you know, I have the, to be able to do this retreat's hard. You know, you, you've, you're doing it. That's, that's give yourself credit, you know, so the strength, the capacity to, to be with this experience, the willingness for some of you just plunging in you, never done this before, you know, the, the, the willingness to explore, to be curious, these wonderful human qualities that we have, the, the willingness to be sensitive to each other, you know, these, these kinds of qualities that we can easily just assume and not give credit for. So, you know, the willingness, some of you are struggling with problems that don't resolve easily, but the willingness even to, to struggle, to, find, to try and find a really good way of responding to something that's quite difficult in relationships or in terms of the bigger picture in life giving ourselves credit for, for the good intentions we have in those kinds of dynamics. So, so framing, being able to frame this, moving the attention from the, 
the tendency just to dwell, dwell in the negative and what's going wrong and what doesn't work and why, is it, why I'm so, you know, uh, you know, so hopeless and why everyone else is, you know, not as, as they should be and why my meditation isn't working, to reframe that or re, you know, reframe the picture so that one can actually connect with, with the good intentions that we all have, the energy we're all putting in, the, 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 the capacity for kindness, for appreciation. <coughs> and then more subtly, just taking attention from thought, no, noticing this is thinking, taking that to the positive or the wholesome or the steadying. Actually, in a way, breath is neutral. It's neither necessarily strongly ecstatic. It can be, actually, if you really deeply get into breath meditation, but it's not strongly, it's not painful either, necessarily. For some, it can be difficult if there's breathing problems, but generally, it's a more neutral thing. So even at their best, to train attention to stay with the ordinary, the neutral, appreciating the light of the day, you know, being able to breathe, being aware, being present, being embodied. So this is a training, and the Buddha called it, it's like, he made an analogy, it's like taking a, 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 a um, you know, as a, if you're a carpenter and you knock out a coarse peg to put in a finer peg. It's like knocking out a coarse peg to put in a fine peg. So that this refinement of relationship to thought, there's choice, there can be choice. There's awareness, there's mindfulness, there can be choice. And then if that doesn't work, sometimes we try and do that and the pattern is obsessive, obsessive. And the second step that the, the Buddha recommended, he said, it's, it's, if you're in these patterns of thinking, negative, um, revengeful, I wish those people would really sort of, you know, go down <laughs> because I, they really hurt me or, you know, I, I, you know, those kinds of, you know, can be quite, we can get into some very unskillful patterns of thinking or hopelessness, how, you know, how I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Then the Buddha recommended in the second step, he said, really contemplate the end result of dwelling in those thinking patterns. Where will it take you? You know, to you know, what is where, what's that gonna where is that gonna lead? It's eventually just gonna lead into a cul-de-sac, isn't it? It's not gonna lead to resolution. It's not gonna lead to happiness. It's not gonna lead to to uh, freedom. It's, you you might get some juice out of thinking again and again and again and again. You know, like how how you know how you'd like to 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 uh, to get back, or how you'd like you know how difficult it all is, or. But in the end, one just is going to land up depressed, despairing, overwhelmed. And so the Buddha recommended, he said, it's a bit like, he made this analogy, it's, it's a bit like continuing in those thinking patterns. He said, it's a bit like, you, you know, a, a, a beautiful person comes in the room, but they have a sort of stinking corpse around the neck. He, he was a pretty, uh, un, you know, subtle teacher sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, that's a bit like that internally. We're just sort of hanging out with a stinking corpse. You know, and, it's, and, it, and it's not pleasant. So, uh, so, so to, to consider where does this go? And sometimes that can really pull us out of an eddy or a whirlpool down. You know, and, then, and then 
He said, well, even that, some of these patterns are so deep that even that doesn't deter. We, it's like the tongue going to the, the, the place in the, in the mouth where there's no tooth and we just keep going there or a place that hurts. We just can't, we can't not be dragged. Somehow we just get dragged to these, these energies that, are, that stick us to a, the unwholesome, painful, repetitive pattern. We've put a lot of energy there and there's a lot of momentum to it. So then the recommendation in this training, it's called the Vitaka Santana, the, the higher training of samadhi, working proactively with thinking pattern. He recommended just giving space. Uh, the pattern is there, you know, it's still, it's still there, it's, it's uh, operating, but we're aiming to not fuel it. We're aiming not to keep dwelling there. We're aiming not to give it further energy. At the very least, we're trying to, to give space. You know, the practice of kindness, spaciousness. Um, not investing so much a sense of self in the pattern. Um, you know, so it's like a containment. This is where mindfulness becomes not just the practice of attentiveness, but the, 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 the capacity to contain, to hold space around what is present, a kindly, aware space. And this is, again, where one can breathe a bit more deeply, maybe a bit more taking every so often a stronger breath and really feeling that breath and really allowing the attention to catch with the experience of the breath. And opening one's eyes and filling the body with the breath energy, three breaths. So you just get a feeling of just breaking the stuckness to the pattern. You, it might not resolve it forever, but you, 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 you're getting a feeling of how to practice in a way that just just unhinges, unhooks, and you realize it can be done. <laughs> you know, one is not a slave to the, to the, to the crazy mind just going on. So. And the Buddha gave an analogy as, as if someone can see they have good eyes, they know what's going on, but they're just choosing not to look. They're just, walk, say, walking down the road. This is, I'm furthering his analogy. You're walking down the road to go to the shop to get something, but you're not stopping and engaging every passerby. You're not, you know, keep looking at the place that's, that's catching you, at the worry, at the dread. You know it's there, but you, you've got a destination that's not that. <laughs> so you, you're not denying it, you're not repressing it, you're just not giving it fuel. And, you, and, your, and your destination is breath, body, walking, eat one step at a time. You know, the mantra, if you like, the putho, replacing with, this is the first step, the replacing wayward thinking with a putho, with a skillful thought, or may I be well, this kind of thing. And then going on, which begins to move us more into the inquiry, the vipassana that we were looking at last night. Um, he, it's called the relaxing of the, of the sankhara, or the pattern, because it's a pattern, it's like a program. Um, this fourth uh, skill. Um, I know Kilisar and I keep saying we'll write these on the board. 
but I will, <laughs> along with all the other lists that we said we would write on the board. So you can remember these, you don't have to remember them right now, but this, this inquiry, and he gave the analogy, it's if someone's running, 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 and they suddenly realize, and they're fretting, you know, running, running, pushed along, and they suddenly realize, I don't have to run. I can, I can walk. And he starts walking, he says, oh, I don't have to walk, I can actually sit and relax. Oh, I don't have to sit, I can actually even lay down. I can relax, you know. So there is something about these thought patterns that can drive us. And the relaxing of the sankhara is this inquiry. We can inquire, this vipassana, beginning to look at uh, um, the space around the thinking. Can you notice any space, for example? Is that all there is? Is there anything else here? <laughs> you know, can we notice the, the underlying feeling tone in the body? Can we take attention there? Can we, can we take the breath and the attention to the, the constriction of the pattern that we're experiencing as thought process, that as we feel it in the body? And then as we breathe more fully there, it helps to open and relax out of the compulsion around it. Or can we, another skill that we can use, Kedisara mentioned it, I think, in one of, maybe a discussion, is just the gentle question, who's thinking? Who's obsessed? Who's worried? You know, who's feeling angry? Who's feeling averse? And because in those obsess, absorption and obsession with those patterns, they become very much, that's me. You know, it's, it's me and I'm in a box. So it's just this dropping that in, who? Who begins to create a bit more space again? Who, who, is, who does this really belong to, actually? <laughs> It's not a, you know, a, a disowning in psychological terms of disowning or rejecting or denial, but it's, it's, it's a subtle thing of just moving out from being totally stuck and shaped by the pattern. So it can be very, you know, very, very helpful, very powerful just to shift. And then the, the last image that the, the or training um, that the, the Buddha gave, which is sometimes is just is just helpful to use will. It's like we have different gears we can move through. It's not just one method or one approach or one energy. Um, so he, it's it's the it's more the warrior energy. Sometimes it's needed in life. If you find yourself going down a track or an action that that's actually could potentially be very unskillful, you don't want to sort of just wimpishly kind of go, well, maybe I'll just explore it and be open and see how it goes and let it be. And it's all unfolding and it's all equal and it's all perfect and doesn't really matter and there's no one here anyway. It's all empty. And then we find ourselves you know, really doing something or acting out in a way that creates a lot of very uh, unfortunate effect for ourselves and others. So there are, 
some tendencies and some patterns and some energies that there needs to be a real clear boundary about. You know, so in this, you know, so this is something we can actually train with. Uh, it's the energy that the Buddha made the analogy. It's, it's like a, a strong person wrestling to the floor, a weak person. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but that's the analogy he gave. It's a sort of martial energy, a martial image rather. But for the sake of, con- of developing a container that has strength, the mindfulness, um, so that we can hold the energy rather than act out of it and contemplate it, this, this, this ability is just to say no. No, I'm not going to actually spend time dwelling there. Uh, And to move, you know, sometimes the moving of attention to, say, the breath, it can be gentle, it can be patient, it can be kindly, but there is a martial aspect of Buddhist training, meditative training, which is I am going to come into the hall when the bell goes rather than sort of, you know, wander around the house sit and I'll stay with the sitting till the end of the sitting when the bell goes. It's a sort of a training of strength or I am going to find my walking path and walk up and down until the bell goes. Or I am going to work with five mindful breaths or three mindful breaths and I'm going to do that until I succeed <laughs> and at least can be here for three breaths. <laughs> and you know, there, there is a place for that energy, definitely. It's not the sort of energy we want to use all the time. You know, we don't only want to have one gear, just will, 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 will. You know, and then no softening, no relaxing, because it can be quite, it can entail some sort of level of repression or pushing away. But sometimes that's important, just to say, let me just get the space and, and get a feeling for the wholesomeness of just being with the breath, being with the, you know, succeeding at a sitting, holding a posture working through and withstanding the impact of the restlessness, the boredom, the irritation. <coughs> so, so it's exploring this, uh, this, uh, these skills uh, that support the gathering, support the, the uh, bringing uh, attentiveness, moments of attentiveness here to breath, here to body, and as that accumulates we get the, can get, begin to get the feeling, the taste, the pleasure of a mind, heart, body that's integrated within awareness, that's content and filled with the pleasure of being. And then there's the, you know, the insight, the contemplation, the contemplative work of being able to notice as we're more here, as we are more present. And even with that which is pulling us out, these thought forms, these worries, these pressures to move to the next thing, to be absorbed in the storylines. We can, one of the, the, you know, the, the most powerful, in some ways, medicine or contemplation that we can apply is this contemplation of impermanence. However obsessive it is, however difficult it is, we know, you know, sometimes impermanence can sound like a difficult thing, but sometimes it's great. 
the bell will go. <laughs> the day will, you know, we will get to bed <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, so it's not always uh, a difficult thing. So to be able to, you know, this this in, in this inquiry, to notice, uh, to notice that all of the the forms that we the sense of the the body that we take so much as my possession that there's so much reactivity and investment in how the body should be there's so much um, self-identification with our bodies which is natural Uh, but it can it can create also a you know, another kind of obsessiveness, fascination, aversion, um, judgments. Um, so in this, this contemplation of awareness, contemplation of impermanence, changeableness, we're looking at body, say the forms, our body as nature. It's not, we're not saying everything's impermanent and therefore we dismiss it or it doesn't, we don't care for our body or we don't pay careful attention in our relationship because it's all impermanence, it doesn't mean anything, that there's no love or beauty or creativity, it's just all impermanence, so we just check out. It doesn't, you know, who cares? It doesn't mean that, it's not a teaching that's meaning that, in fact, in some ways it means the opposite, that, that to, to be more realistic, when we actually see the body more realistically, not in terms of our uh, something we can control and demand it to be a certain way or get upset when it isn't how we like it, we can actually, it's very compassionate. We come into relationship with this body in a more compassionate way, in a more sensitive way. We can feel its aches and pains and uh, hold that more patiently rather of projecting so much onto the body, how it should be, or uh, we feel into it and, and allow ourselves to be with the flow, the change, the pulses, the heat, the cool, the, the sensation, the feeling tones within the body. We can notice that it is there, we notice, but it is also changing. It is also flickering, arising, passing, vibrating. So as we gather attentiveness uh, with body, with feeling, and begin to notice, notice what we're working with, we can both use body and breath to steady, to hold attention together, but we can also begin to contemplate this changing nature, the changing of moods, how we felt this when we woke up is different than how we feel now, how we'll feel in the evening. the feeling tones, how we can get so um, wrapped up in whether we feel pleasure or pain, but 
with this is more begins to create a little bit more equanimity, a little bit more even-mindedness. Okay, at the moment there's the sensation of what we might call painful, but it changes. Then there's the sensation of what we call pleasant. And this too can be a, a very helpful way, and again in daily life, when we really find ourselves overwhelmed or caught up, uh, stressed, suffering, worried, something like that, and we get carried away by, you know, when we get carried away by the thinking, the obsessing, we can just notice, is this actually the training of this, uh, this mindfulness, is this pleasant or unpleasant? Noticing just that much rather than what am I going to do about it? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to work it out? How am I going to get rid of this? Just noticing, is it pleasant or unpleasant? Can we notice the sensation? Can we notice the feeling tone? And just name it as just that much. Or rather than, why me? Why, why do I have to <laughs> uh, you know, experience this mood or this feeling? Or Where did it come from? Why, did it, why is it here? And what am I going to do about it? And it's not to say none of those questions are important or pertinent, but but this training of present moment awareness is very liberating just to be able to notice, yes, all of that, and what I can be with just this much in this moment, rather than feeling, how am I ever going to overcome all this aversion? However am I ever going to overcome all this worry? You know, it feels like such a huge task. When I was a young novice, um, none. Enlightenment felt like such a huge task. It was like massive. (laughs) And I remember one day I was walking to meditation and I just couldn't get there. And I just had this absolutely overwhelming feeling that it was so huge that I just couldn't do it. And it was uh, a sunny day and I just went to, instead of, I sort of took a, a route off from the beaten track up and down to the meditation hall from the nun's lodging and went off and just lay in a field and just thought, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm just going to lay here till I die. <laughs> I don't want to know anymore. You know, it's kind of only so long you can really lay there dying, you know, before you have to get up and go to the bathroom or go get something to eat, you know. So it was a bit melodramatic. But, but this, this overwhelm, like, it all gets so big. You know, how am I going to solve all these problems? How am I going to, you know, save the world <laughs> from itself? You know, you can get this a bit grandiose, I know. But, you know, how can I, you know, work with this feeling so overwhelming? And, you know, what I realized was that I, I can't actually do it. You know, the sense of me, because the sense of me is, is wrapped up, is the burden, you know. But this, what, what I can do is a moment of this path activity. Just this much, just with what is in front of us. I can know, is it pleasant or unpleasant? I can be with a breath. I can apply these skills moment by moment path activity and let the rest unfold. It's beyond my control. It will unfold according to its own nature, awakening, realization, union with the divine, 
understanding, revelation, the nature of this world, the nature of being, all of these big things, all of these little things, they unfold. It's not ours to, to will ourselves towards. But what we can do in each moment, the Buddha's path is big, but it's doable and he he made it accessible because it's something we can work at moment by moment with this body, this mind, this capacity, however it is. And it just requires something very simple, very doable, yeah. gently, kindly, again and again, when we can, when we wake up, encouraging ourselves to be as present as we can with how it is with our human incarnation and all that that is in this moment, this breath, this body, this feeling, this sensation, this heart, this mind. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.